0: welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Today, I want to to talk with you about living free from a critical spirit, and I want to talk about our calling in the Lord. um, I'm going to I'll actually jump into our calling really quick, and then we're going to backtrack a little bit and talk about a critical spirit. But how many of you know you are you are called to the ministry of reconciliation? But that's it's in um, in Corinthians. It says this. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. So if you are in Christ, the moment you gave your life to him, you became a new person. And it says that all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Wow. So God reconciled us to himself and he said, I'm actually part of what you do in your life is you're going to now reconcile others to me. And we're going to come back to that in a moment, but I believe this is that Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth, you're the salt of the earth. Now we're so, so we should be salty. And I know that maybe in today's culture, like being salty, isn't the best um, thing, but I'm talking about the good kind of saltiness that adds flavor. It brings out the best, right? It, it adds to, And so you are the salt of the earth. You are the flavor of the earth. You, you, you bring out. And so I believe that believers are to actually bring out the best in people. You know, one of the things that we say is that we actually, you know, it's easy to find the dirt in people's lives, but it actually, it takes a relationship with the Lord to dig deep into people's lives and find the gold. And I believe that we are to find the gold. Don't you love it when somebody um, pulls out something good in you? Or do you like it when people just tell you how terrible you are? (laughs) No, I don't think any of us like that. I hope not. I don't think anybody likes to get beaten up, but there's something about on your worst day when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I know who you are. I know who you really are in the Lord. And you should step into that. You know, accountability. um, I I believe in the body of Christ. if, If you've been in church for a while, you might have heard accountability. Somebody told you, oh, you need an accountability partner and make sure you don't mess up. And that's good. There's part of that. There's, there's part of that that you should have people saying, hey, how are you doing? But I believe true accountability is to be held into account for your ability, not your disability. Meaning that somebody is saying, hey, are you being who the Lord made you to be? Lord, the Lord's put this inside of you. Remember whenever you said that the Lord spoke to you about this and the Lord said, or, or even just what the word of God says, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are, you are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why are you beating yourself up? Why are, you, why are you treating yourself like that? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know who you are. I know what the Lord said about you. And so I believe in the body of Christ. It's like we, we are to bring the best out of people. We are to call out who the Lord, what the Lord says about people. And I I found this for my life is that the voice of God in my life has never been. it's, It's primarily this. I won't say never. The voice of the Lord is primarily calling out, calling me to who he's always made me to be. All right. His original intent for my life. So the Lord isn't I haven't ever felt the Lord like there's there's these times where, you know, you do something you shouldn't do. You have a failure and you expect the Lord's going to beat me over the head with a stick or he's going to he's going to be angry. But the truth is, is that the Lord is always drawing us near. Um, story of the prodigal son. You ever heard it? Um, it's funny, solely. Um, I'm messing. Um, story of the prodigal son, there's a son and he, he goes to his father and he says, dad, I, I want my inheritance right now. I want to go. I don't, I don't want to be at home anymore. And, uh, and really what he was saying when he said, I want my inheritance right now, he was saying, dad, you're pretty much dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you. I want what's mine. Give it to me now. And so the father says, okay, Gives, gives the son grace even when he didn't deserve it. Gave him what he didn't deserve, gave him his inheritance. The son, and I believe the father knew this boy's going to mess it all up. He knew. And so the son goes and it says he uh, gives himself to wild living, he, he spends his money on crazy things, prostitutes, different, whatever, anything you could imagine. He was, he was just going and living his life, doing his thing and whatever pleased him. And, and it ends up where a famine strikes the land and the, the boy runs out of money. He has nothing. And so he said he, he actually goes and he um, goes and works for a farmer feeding pigs. <clears throat> so like the dirtiest of all dirty jobs and And it says that even the food that he was feeding the pigs became appealing to him. That's pretty low, right? Um, The slop of the pigs became appealing. And then he says this, look, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this. So he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to tell him I'll be a servant in your house. And um, and at least I'll be able to have a meal. And so the son, he's making his journey home. And then the story goes to where it says the father is waiting. He's waiting for his son. Right. And the son, it's beautiful picture of him coming. And it says the father sees him a long way off and he runs to the son. And actually in that day, men did not run. It was shameful. But this father did not care. He did not care at the side of his son. He said, I'm running to him. I've been waiting been waiting. And the father wasn't running to get a good head, you know, get some momentum so he could give him a good, good kick. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't <laughs> running to beat him, but he was running to embrace him. And in the story, it says that the son begins his speech and his inheritance but it says The father's not even listening he's just glad his father's, his son's home. He embraces him. And what does he do? He clothes him. He he brings out the best robe. He brings out the signet ring. He gives him authority. He gives him place. He, uh, he says, let's kill the fatted calf. Right. And he celebrates the return of the son. And I, I believe we live in a day, um, where, um, it's easy to get caught up in being critical of things. I believe the, the narrative of the day and the voice of the day is critical in nature. It is. Everybody's got their opinion. Everybody has their thoughts and everybody's right and nobody's wrong. And, and, and that can become, uh, I believe that that has in many ways become the landscape of Um, even our nation, but I believe our world today is where um, through social media platforms, everybody's got a voice and an opinion. And I believe that um, I I believe it's so important that the church demonstrates something better. I believe that we most definitely need an opinion, but we need the Lord's opinion. And I believe that whenever we carry an opinion, that's not the Lord's, we lose our saltiness. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, as the son comes home, there was this other brother and he sees the son who wasted his inheritance being welcomed back with open arms. And the son begins to say, man, I've been here serving in my father's house doing this thing. I've been doing all the right things. I've been doing everything right. And this guy who's been doing everything wrong, he's going to get the celebration. He's like, where's my celebration? Doesn't seem fair, right? It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. But God's good. The goodness of God isn't fair. The cross wasn't fair. Yeah, the cross wasn't fair, but it was good. It was good because he's faithful. And I believe that we, we, our call is not to bring fairness to the world. Our call is to bring the goodness of God to the world. And I believe that there is no better, no better life than, look, we we are called to take on the very nature of God, the Holy, the fruit of the spirit, right? It's what the Holy Spirit is producing inside of us. And that should be the aim. The aim is not for us to be right. It is to take on his rightness, not our rightness. And so this is not about us being who we think we should be. It's about us being who he has called us to be. And that requires us to fully submit all of our ways to him and say, Lord, I need your ways to submit all of our thoughts to him and take on his thoughts. And so um, really what that son did, the second son who who had done everything right, he, he began to become critical and he was criticizing his brother. He was criticizing his father and the father comes to him and says, Hey, listen, you've been here in my house and don't you know, everything I have is yours. If, if you wanted a feast, we could have had a feast. If it, you, all you had to do is ask. Everything I have is yours. He said, but your son who was lost and your son who, uh, your brother who was lost and your brother who couldn't get it together and who messed up, who could have died. He's come home and that's worth celebrating. And it's important that we restore him to who he really is. Doesn't mean that he might look, he might have to walk out some consequences of what he did. He might have to work through some stuff. But the truth is, is that in his heart, he knew he he, the father's heart was revealed to him and it gave him hope and it restored him. He was reconciled. The heart of God for people is reconciliation. I'll say that again. The heart, if you were wondering, the heart for God's heart for the world, for people is reconciliation. There is, there is, the Bible talks about a day of judgment, but that day is not today. Okay. There is a day where we'll hold it, be held into account for everything we did, said, or didn't do, or didn't say. But that is, that is a day of judgment. But today, today, what the Lord is doing in the earth is he is reconciling. He is reconciling. He is redeeming. And it is our calling too. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. There is I, I, my heart for you is that we would fully step into the ministry of reconciliation because I believe there is joy and peace there oh, yeah. is that when we have allowed a critical spirit to infiltrate our lives, um, I believe that there's only destruction that comes from that. There's only sorrow. There's only anger. And that's the, none of that reflects the fruit of the spirit. Right. So. Um, so today I want to talk about what is a critical spirit? Why don't we want to be critical and who are we and how do we engage others? Which we've kind of tapped into a little bit already, but when we engage in a critical spirit, we begin to lose our saltiness. Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. A critical spirit will block the flow of God's love to others through our lives. So what is criticism? Criticism is judgment. Judgment. Okay, Uh, to judge means to form an opinion of someone or something. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse one through three says, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Jesus didn't say that if you have a plank in your eye, he said, You have a plank in your eye. Okay, like I think let's all just assume that we have a plank, okay, and say, Lord, help my plank. Like, okay, I think that's the better response is Jesus was saying, You do have a plank, you need me to show you. Don't, you know, it's like you folk, we, we can easily focus on the little things on others. When our attention is turned to their stuff. Ooh, I don't, I don't like when they, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Oh, ah, ah. it's constantly, you know, what, what if our response to someone's junk was, Lord, what did they need to hear from you? What is it? What, look, there, there's probably a reason why they're doing that. How can I? Speak goodness into that. How can I pull out who they really are? Most people like most of us know our stuff, right? We talk about that. Like nobody has to tell you your stuff. You're like, I've got stuff, got some junk. What you do need sometimes is people to surround you and say, hey, all that stuff is not what the Lord created for you. All that stuff you've been embracing, identifying with. It's not you. The Lord showed me the real you. And this is what he says. Right? That's what we need. And so, John chapter 8, verse 15 says, you judge by human standards. This is Jesus talking. He says, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. So, if Jesus isn't passing judgment, why do we feel like we can or should? Right? So, So number one, criticism is judgment. Number two, criticism dishonors the Lord. Um, In James chapter three, verse nine through 10, it says with the tongue, we praise our Lord and father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And then Uh, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, it says, make a good tree and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. He says this, Jesus talking to the religious leaders. He said, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You say that with me, say for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And it goes on to say, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment, right? There is a day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken for by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. And um, maybe you're thinking, well, do we just let people get away with things? You know, do we just let, let people go away with things? Look, God is a God of justice. And I believe he has established a system of justice. He has, but you have to hear from him and know your role. Is let it be far from us that we try and bring about any justice that the Lord isn't trying to bring. I think we need to lose maybe our version of justice and we need the Lord's version of justice. There are lots of injustices in the world, right? There are lots of people who are angry about injustices and there's never been um, a better time and a much needed time that we hear from the Lord and get his opinion and his idea. Right. And what our role is, is because I believe our, our role is reconciliation. that's what the Bible says is we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, I I love, we, we come here on a Sunday morning and we're singing the songs. We are, um, we are, we are blessing the Lord. We are praising his name. Somebody's getting a phone call. Um, (laughs) And then you know, even in James, how he's saying, "With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness." Is I believe the Lord wants to instill in us the fear of the Lord, reverence, even when it comes. We have reverence from God, and God's like, "Hey, even with people, I want I want you to see them how I've made them." Right. We should carry that we're people, the person sitting next to you on the left and the right, the one who doesn't smell good, the one who, whatever, maybe the one who smells really nice. I don't know. They've been made in the image of God. You know, I've, I've found this, um, maybe speaking to some of the marriages, one of the things that has really helped and blessed our marriage is we, we've taken the time to develop and, um, or I can say, just foster this part of our marriage where we hear from the Lord for one another, where we ask the Lord to give us His heart for one another. So, in the moment where I say something or do something that I shouldn't have, when I'm being who I shouldn't be, and Austin, because she's been with the Lord and having the Lord's heart for me, she can have grace and patience and say, "Hey, instead of me calling you a name." and actually calling out what you're doing right now. I'm not going to call you according to what you're doing. I'm going to call you according to who you really are. And I was saying, we always get that right. I'm not trying to paint a picture of like, we just got it all together, but it's something that we are developing and fostering in our life where it's saying, Lord, we need each other's heart that we need your heart for each other. Right. What what would change in your life if the person that constantly bothers you, that you can't seem to get away from, that you're constantly frustrated with? What if you begin to say, Lord, what are you saying about them? What's your heart for them? Lord, I put down all of my, I, 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 I choose to disarm myself of all of my offenses and all of my things. And I ask that you would give me your heart for them. What would shift in your life? I bet there would be a lot more peace in your life. I bet there would be a lot more joy when it's like, Lord, what are your thoughts? The Lord's not anxious, okay? He's not worried. He's not sitting back, and he's, he's not like, oh, my gosh, everybody is such a mess. He's not. He's not like, what am I going to do? What did I get myself into? Why did I make them? No, he's redemptive. He's not. He's not. He, he actually, he, he, he has spoken And his word does not return to him void. He has spoken. And what he says is look, I've given everybody the opportunity to come into alignment with my word or to not. But I'm going to keep on drawing them in. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the strong hand of the Lord and his correction that leads you to repentance. It is his goodness, it is him actually showing you this is how good I am. And this is how I feel about you. And there's something about that that disarms us and makes us say, you know what? I am better than that. I am called to something different than what I've been living in. Right. And so if the Lord's doing that for us, I believe it's what he wants to cause us to do to others. Is that our, our goal in the earth should be. I'm demonstrating the goodness of God. God, fill me with your goodness so that every relationship, every situation, every time I get that text message from that person that makes me just want to, I just ask that you would give me a word for them. Give me something that I can share with them that pulls them out of that dark place that they're in and pulls them into the light and pulls them into the place that you've called them to be. So that's your calling. That's your calling. It's not just like, an. for us, this shouldn't be like optional. It's not like when you feel like it, it is who you are. It's who the Lord is inside of you. Jesus is the standard. He didn't go to the cross so that the standard could be lowered. He actually went to the cross so that you could become him in the earth. And you could take on his very nature. He came and he defeated death and the grave and sin so that it wouldn't be the thing that marks you and be his presence and his nature. And so that you could release that in the earth. What a high calling. What a high calling. And that's for each person in the room. If you thought like, well, I'm just not called and I'm not gifted. and I'm a nobody. You're not a nobody. You're actually marked by God. Again, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have an inheritance because of Jesus that includes all of the riches of heaven. That's who you are. You're a son and a daughter of King Jesus. Amen. All right, let's keep going. So number two was um, criticism dishonors the Lord. Um, Yeah. So at the end of um, that scripture, Matthew 12, It says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty or idle word. You might've heard it like that. It might've said every idle word, but it means every empty word they have spoken for your words, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you'll be condemned. So I had said, do we just let people get away with things? Look. Nobody's getting away with anything, all right? There is a day of judgment. And look, and of course, we know as believers what the blood of Jesus means for us, right? We know what that means. We've been washed, washed as snow, and the the goal is, is that everyone would know what the cross meant for them and that they've been brought near to the Lord. That's our heart, that's our goal. Our goal should be mercy, not judgment. Like, oh God, please, that they would know mercy, that they would know your goodness. And, um, and so when it talks about idle words, it's like those things where it's just easy for us just off the cuff to just say, well, blah, blah, here's my opinion. You ever look, how many times on a daily basis do we just, here's my opinion. Here's my, I'm just throwing these words out there. How many of you know your words? The Bible says in James that life and death is in the tongue. That your words are literally causing life or death. Um, I've told this story before, but me and my family, we did this little, I guess you could call experiment. Um, We heard about somebody doing this and we were like, hey, let's give it a shot. And to be honest with you, I was kind of like, nothing's going to happen. This is going to be, this is worthless. But what we did was we took three clear glass jars that had lids and we put some rice in it. We put some water in it, and then on one, we put three pieces of tape, actually two. We put, on one, we put bless, on one, we put nothing, and then the other ones, we put curse. And um, every day, my kids would go, and they would speak to the jar that said blessing, and they would bless that rice. Okay, this might sound funny, but just hear me out. They would bless that, that jar of rice. They'd say, I bless you. You're the best jar of rice I've ever seen. You are beautifully, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> you are amazing. And they would say all kinds of stuff. And then they, the one that says ignore, they wouldn't say anything else to it. And then the one that was cursed, we would just let them say all kinds of filthy words. I'm joking. <laughs> we went to that. They would, um, they would say, they would say to that, that, that jar of rice, they would say, you're terrible you stink. You're, you're the worst. You taste terrible. You look terrible. Um, and so they would, they would, they would, they would speak really death over that jar of rice. And I honestly, the first two weeks, I completely forgot about it. And, um, I remember we sat down at dinner one night and I looked back and I was like, Oh, we forgot about the jars. And they were like, no, we didn't. We've been speaking to it. And um, and I, I look at it just after two weeks, and the and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I have a picture. I have pictures to prove this. The rice that said bless, the water was clearer than it was because it was kind of cloudy um, whenever we first um, did it, just because I guess whatever's on the rice clouded it up, but it was clear. The rice was white. It was nice. The one that was ignored was a little dirty. And then the one that um, was cursed had... Mold beginning to go on the water. It was um, t- starting to get discolored. And really, it, we probably kept the jars too long with the rice in them because it got really gross. But I'm telling you, the day that we um, decided to throw it out, the one that said bless was still clear. The rice was still white. And then the one that said curse was disgusting. It was green, brownish looking. It was nasty. And it was a picture for our family that we say our words matter. What we say over stuff matters. If you don't believe me, try it. Okay. Your words matter. The things that you bless will be blessed. The things that you speak death over will experience death is the Bible says in Romans eight, that all of creation is waiting and groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Why is because the sons of God carry the words of God. And they release either they release life in the earth. So creation is saying, Will you please bless us? You've been given dominion here in the earth. Will you please speak blessing over the land? Will you please speak blessing into the atmosphere? Okay. So your words, they carry life and death. Jesus, when he was on the boat um, with his disciples and he was sleeping, and there's a storm happening, right? There's a storm happening. The disciples are fearing for their life. And they're like, how could Jesus be sleeping? And we're about to die. Is, and they, so they go and they wake up Jesus and Jesus says, Hey, you guys, haven't you seen all the things that he didn't say this? I'm just kind of making up the conversation, but he, he was probably thinking this. Um, but he's pretty much like, Hey guys, why, why don't you have faith? Don't you believe me? Haven't you seen all the things that I've done? Have you seen the people I've touched? And he, he really just told them, hey, you who are unaware, that's really what it meant. He said, you who are unaware, basically, you're unaware of heavenly things. You're unaware of who you really are. You're unaware of how God feels about you and the authority that he's given you. And so he turns to the storm and he speaks to the storm. He says, be still. And it was still now, if Jesus was talking to the storm, he had to know the storm could think that could hear him. If the storm could hear him, the storm could think. And the storm had to recognize somebody with authority is speaking to me and I better listen. (laughs) And I'm saying that to say, I'm not telling you to go and Look, I'm saying be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling everybody to go and start speaking to every thunderstorms, which we've had lots of. But maybe we do. Maybe we just need to start saying, Lord, thank you for some dry weather. Maybe we need just start You know, for me, I'm like, man, I've been I've been angry about all this rain. Maybe I need to start blessing the land. And but um, I'm saying is that our words carry power. It's demonstrated throughout the word of God is that you humanity was given dominion in the earth and Jesus going to the cross restored that it's why Jesus said, greater works. Will you do than these that I've done is because you speak to it and it happens. It's why you can speak to everything that's out of order and everything that doesn't look like heaven. And you can see a shift happen on earth. So don't belittle yourselves. Don't think I'm just a nobody or I'm disqualified. No, the Lord is drawing you to who you really are in Him. Amen? Amen? All right. Number three, criticism neuters your calling. So it cuts it off. All right. It's just a funny way to say it cut it off. <laughs> Let me say that again. Criticism neuters your calling. It's like one of those words that gets the point across, right? I could have said criticism cuts off your calling, but it neuters it. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, But it does, you know, I, the moment that you begin to criticize somebody, you lose all authority to speak love into their life. You have settled for a different perspective than the Lord's. The Lord might be calling. What if? Look. What if? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a famous person. Um, Tom Brady. Okay, we're we're gonna beat them this year. Um, what if I'm sitting here criticizing him and saying, you know what, he's this and he's that, and and then one day I, the Lord causes me and him to cross paths, and the Lord actually wants to use my life to speak to him, but I've been really busy criticizing him and I don't have the Lord's heart. My calling has been neutered. My calling has been cut off. Right. And I'm not saying that just applies to famous people. I'm just giving an example, but it could be, it could be your husband, it could be your wife. Husbands. Do you know that the words man and woman, man is actually a gardening term. Woman is not, but a man is actually meant to tend to his, his 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 wife, meaning that he is meant to garden, he is meant to tend to, he is meant to grow something and build something up. It is actually part of your calling. Are your words growing something good? Are your words tearing down something? And I believe that goes both ways, but I wanted to just I felt like really strongly about picking on the men not picking on you, reminding you of who you are. It's who you are is like, yeah, let me speak to the men, men with your children. You, the, they need words that build them up. The Lord has given you that responsibility. Your words. If you struggle with saying, I love you or giving compliments, get with the Lord and ask him to soften your heart because the, your family, it, your family needs words that bring life and cause growth and the and you and your family need you to have the lord's heart for them and that only is birth in a place of prayer and a place of actually being with the lord but that is your first calling more than you're called to a business and a job more than you're called to do all kinds of great things for the lord you are called to your family and children to have the lord's heart for them i don't believe the lord's going to touch all the other things if your heart isn't set on what he, he, your first ministry in Malachi, the Lord was speaking to the priests and he said, he was saying, "You, you don't bring me good offerings, but when actually, whenever you do bring me good offerings, I don't accept them because you haven't been faithful to your wife. You haven't, you haven't, um, you've been abusive to her with your words, with your, with the way that you are. And I believe that the Lord is calling us For us men in the room, not just even our families, but I believe he's calling fathers. He's calling fathers to a generation that so badly needs to be fathered. And fathers get to grow things and they get to speak to things and they get to call out who people really are. Fathers bring identity. And I I just believe that the Lord is raising up some fathers who carry the Lord's heart for people and who are constantly looking for sons and daughters or who are looking for those who carry an orphan spirit and who are being to say, you know what? I'm going to speak to the orphan spirit and I'm going to cause the spirit of adoption to come in. Just like Jesus, the father has adopted us into the beloved. I believe that same spirit is inside of fathers here to bring about reconciliation. (laughs) I hope that we won't get lost in criticizing a generation when we are supposed to be fathering a generation and mothering a generation. The moment that we begin to criticize the world and, oh, Gen Z this or Millennials that, and we begin to say they're hopeless or they're this or that, it neuters our calling to mother and father a generation. Yeah. So we need the Lord's thoughts. And, and I'm saying that to call out who you really are. I'm saying that to call out like, don't be reduced to somebody who just carries a critical spirit and just says whatever you think you should say is labor over your words. Cause you will be held into account for every word that comes out of your mouth. hold go, labor with Lord. Should I say this? Everybody's telling me I need to say something and I have opinion, but Lord, what do you think? Should I say that? Should I say that? Is that going to cause life or death? Should I say that? Because I'm going to be held into account for it. Lord, I don't, I don't want to say anything I haven't labored over with him. I'm not, look, I know probably none of us, I know none of us in the room are perfect. I know all of us have room, but can we be moving towards laboring over our words? Can we be moving towards coming into the fullness of our identity in him? The world needs you to be who you were meant to be. this isn't if well as long as you know the pastor he's that guy you know he, he's you know as long as he's that we're okay no i'm I'm just here to hopefully lead you to Jesus and hear from Him. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to give you a demonstration, an example. I'm not perfect, but I'm moving towards Jesus. And I believe that's for all of us. This calling is for all of us. It's not just for a few. It's not, it's not just for some super spiritual people to know the Lord and to make Him known. It's why we live. If you're here today And you have belittled yourself and you have in your heart, you know, I have not been walking in the calling of who I am. I want to tell you this is that you aren't far off. You're not far gone. You just need to turn towards the Lord. And he is the father that embraces you. Sons who know who they are, make great fathers. Daughters who know who they are, make great mothers. Some of you in the room, maybe I'm speaking to, to mothers and fathers, and you're all you're all called to that. If you feel like I've failed in this area, I haven't been mothering well, I haven't been fathering well. I believe the Lord is saying, I want to teach you to be a son. I want to teach you to be a daughter. I want to teach you to come home and to let me cause my goodness to lead you into repentance and to change the way you think. Cause I'm going to cause you to see yourself differently, to see the world differently. And I'm going to cause your go-to to be redemption and your go-to to be reconciliation instead of it being, well, I just have to tear it all apart. You know, sometimes we have this thing inside of us. that's like, I've got to conquer something. I've got to conquer it. I think we have to be careful what we, what we set out to do is I believe that we have to like Moses who said, Lord, I won't go without your presence. Like I won't go unless you're going, I only go where you go. And we'd be those people who submit to the Lord and his leadership and trust that whatever is good, he's going to lead you into it. Whatever is right, he's going to lead you into it. I got a couple more points, but um, I think we're going to, I'm going to jump into this next week again, because I, I really want us to respond to the Lord this morning. Is I really feel like in the room, the Lord is wanting to give identity to fathers and mothers. Some of you who have settled for something that is beneath you that really the Lord didn't create you for that has cut off your calling to who you are. The Lord wants you to know the joy. He wants you to experience the power and authority that he has called you to walk in, not to rule over people, but to bring other people up, to serve other people really well, to actually like for men to actually grow something. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to even break some shame off of people's life. Some of you, I believe that there are, um, there are people in the room today because it, uh, uh, it wasn't demonstrated well to you. The father's heart, you've struggled. You've struggled having his heart for others. And I believe today, the Lord wants to show you his heart. The father, he wants, he wants you to be feel his embrace. He wants, he wants you to feel clothed by him and celebrated by him. And even in your worst moment, even when you've done everything wrong and you feel like, no, I don't deserve that, the Lord still, he pours out his goodness on you. It's not about if you deserve it or not. It's what Jesus paid for. So could we stand this morning? You know, I love, I want, I want to read what I started with in 2 Corinthians I want to read the whole thing this morning. It says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Could you just close your eyes around the room? And I just want, I, I'm asking you to do that just so you can focus on the Lord. And I want to speak this over you is that you are an entirely new person. If if you need to give your life to the Lord, I want you to tell Him right now, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Come and be the Lord of my life. If anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reckoned you to himself and he's given you the ministry of reconciling others to him it was through the anointed one jesus that god was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions. He has entrusted you the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one, Jesus, who carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with him, with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God has made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So Lord, we th- I thank you today that you have made us right with you. I thank you, Lord, that you haven't called us to be swayed by every new opinion that comes out. I thank you that you have called us to tune in to your voice. You've called us to, to learn who we really are in you. And I thank you who we really are in you, Lord, that as we become that, that it causes others to come in to who they really are in you. I, I ask that right now, Lord, for those who are in the room who have lacked identity, who have, um, who have been just swayed. By everything they hear and what they feel, Lord, I pray this morning that you would ground them in your love, that their roots would grow deep into your love. Lord, that there wouldn't be striving, that there wouldn't be any longer wondering what truth is, Lord, but the truth, you are truth. Truth is a man, it's Jesus. You are truth. It's who you are. And so I thank you that we don't have to We don't have to form our own opinions, Lord, that we can just rest in you. Lord, for those who have been gripped by critical spirit, maybe because of disappointment, maybe because of hurt, maybe it's because all they've known is voices in their lives that have criticized them. Lord, I pray right now that you would heal their hearts. I pray that your love would penetrate the deepest places in their heart, Lord, that you would begin to rework their minds and their thoughts to line up with what you say and with your goodness. I pray this morning that even right now that you would flood the room with goodness in your presence. Presence. that Lord, that you would disarm every argument and every offense. I thank you, Lord, that in the kingdom, not only is the, um, the one that is offended taken care of, but the offender is also forgiven and taken care of, Lord. I thank you that your mercy, it, it, it isn't short in reach, Lord, but your mercy and your grace extends to every heart and every life. And I thank you that there's nothing that you're not redeeming. There's nothing that you aren't reconciling. So I thank you that today that you are making us agents of reconciliation in the earth. I pray that you would mark our words like Isaiah, Lord, whenever he saw you, he realized he was a man of unclean lips, but Lord, you touched his mouth. And you you began to put your words in his mouth. I pray today that you would put your words in our mouth and that we would speak them over generations, over the earth and over people. I thank you that your word in our mouth is just as powerful as your word in your mouth. So I thank you that your people are going to begin to shout the words of the Lord over our nation, over our government, over our children. Over the nations of the world, Lord, give us your thoughts. We repent, Lord, for having any opinion that wasn't yours. We repent for having opinions of our our spouses and our children that aren't yours. We repent, Lord, for speaking death over things that you are speaking life over. Lord, today we choose agreement with you. We choose to say yes and amen. Yeah, today, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you and ask the Lord to give him your thoughts, give him, give you his thoughts and his words. Submit your words to the Lord. Submit your thoughts to the Lord. Submit your ideas and your opinions to the Lord. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. They're better. They're full of peace and joy and life, and they birth good things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give us your opinion of the church. Give us your opinion of the people sitting next to us. Give us your opinion, Lord. Let us labor over what we are saying and thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.